Hello everybody, welcome back to the And Again podcast. My name is Amir, I'm a football writer, analyst and scout and I'm joined today as always by my co-host H, a football content creator that focuses on the tactical parts of the beautiful game. We've been gone a few weeks but we're ready to hit the ground running for the next two months in serious form. H and I, we have some time. Uh, some time has opened up for us essentially. Although we've been speaking off camera for about 15, 20 minutes. It's still busy. It's still very busy. It's, still, yeah, it's still going on. It's still going um, on. But in a few weeks, in a few months, you'll see big things uh, from the both of us. So uh, it'll be worth it. We're here to talk about a lot uh, as the season sort of wraps up. I mean, we have to talk about a game that has passed. And I'm sorry, H, we're going to have to talk about City versus <laughs> United. Uh, Man City obviously won uh, and and took home their second piece of silverware this season Um, but for the rest of the episode we'll also mention uh, the Champions League final and preview that a little bit Um, we'll mention uh, H's video being played on Monday Night Football also by the way (laughs) for that we'll speak about it properly but but when that happened Gary Neville he said uh, I'm just looking up some stats that video it wasn't anything to do with stats he was lying he was was waffling he tried to cover it it was a tactics video I know about Liverpool uh, and, and he's been exposed. But first, we'll get into the FA Cup final. H, before we begin, tell me how you've been, fella. Yeah, man, I've been good. Like like you said before, we've finally got, we've like got the same contract, like working life as a footballer. But <laughs> yeah. it feels like you have less downtime than a footballer. But yeah, um, yeah, man, I've been good. Um, just grinding out the content and then hopefully just... United have a good have a good summer, please, and then we'll be uh, <laughs> we'll be right back in it there. As, as long as you get again. a keeper in it, as, uh, <laughs> I just I've already like I, do you know what the first week the first week after the season ended I think well was last week but like I've just I just had it I was hooked on transfer news like straight away yeah and then this this week starting from yesterday I was like. I already can't bother doing this. Like, I didn't want to tweak <laughs> about every hypothetical signing that someone was going to make. The thing is, when like, it's United, it's like there's so many different names. Like, people were just like agents and players and news outlets. They'll link anybody just because they know it gets clicks and raises yeah. the value of this players. Uh, you know, yeah. demand. I find myself having to scrub up my knowledge on players who like are never joining Manchester United in a million yeah. years, but I've got to have an opinion on it. But just now in case, I'm just yeah. like. I'm just like, no, I just really don't want to speak on players who I know aren't going to sign. Like the Neymar yeah, yeah. stuff was was already like, <laughs> was already sending me, but then yeah, still seeing like Caicedo getting dragged back into the mix and it's like... The thing is, he would actually just, see you, but there's so many clubs oh, it, we, we, well. it would be perfect. It would be perfect, but like we don't have the facilities for that at all. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when it's looking like the centre-forward's going to cost us 40 million minimum for Hoyland. Um, yeah. And he's definitely and he's definitely going to sound mount for over the like the, the asking like price. 60, it's just what we, it's just what we yeah. do, yeah. It's just what yeah. we do. So um, there's already a hundred mil of ink on. So um, that's yeah. what we've been quoted. So I, I don't I don't know, but yeah, we'll see how it goes. Oh um, yeah, I'm sure we'll mention about every episode until the window closes. But we'll speak <laughs> about uh, we'll speak about the actual final now. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I th- I think. When I watched it, it was a bit sort of nervy for City. I, I did think City dominated and City should have won, but it was a bit nervy at times. Um, and in the end, like our goals were kind of like individually brilliant from uh, from probably my favourite player of all time. Like him and David Silva, top two. But Okai Gundogan, absolute genius. 
So at the first 15 seconds, the ball just gets clipped in. It's really interesting, by the way. Just the whole scheme of that, like Gundogan takes the goal kick instead of Haaland. It never... Yeah, I was I was actually speaking I was actually speaking to my granddad when I was talking about this because he's a City fan and he said to me Legend, was, I've shouting. never really seen City go long off goal uh, uh, do you know like shouting like the half the halfway <laughs> line kicks like City don't really go don't don't really go long from those situations like I feel I, like I've just sometimes... never seen it before and then obviously I got someone analysed it yeah well I feel like sometimes we do go long but like it's it's sort of this clipped ball to like the winger or clipped ball a little bit out wide and then we sort of win that second ball and press a little bit. But I haven't seen a sort of go wide or go long and go direct at the same time, almost. Like it looked like yeah. going long there, the intention was to get it to, to Gundogan straight away because uh, he obviously took yeah. the kick instead of Haaland and then it gets clipped here and it goes to, um, it goes to Haaland. I think there's like a second ball in there, like someone else wins it, maybe a United player. Um, and then yeah, so yeah. the is not expecting that shot anyway. Um, but like ridiculous finish. And then like the game just sort of yeah. sets up in I this think, pattern. Yeah, it almost like played into I'm not gonna say Pep Guardiola looked out on this particular one because he probably knew, but it just helped him so much how we were pressing in that like four two four and that um Casemiro and Fred were almost like man marking. I thought um, I players. thought that was I thought that was decent though from United. I think like no, it worked. It worked well. There was just so much space in behind the two players when they stepped up straight from yeah. kickoff. Yeah, so you just yeah. felt like the optimal ball that could that City could have played to ex- exploited them to would have been that ball and it knocked down into that area. And obviously but it, it worked just... for another reason in that like everyone ran towards that side, and with Gundogan passing it off the goal kick, he ended up in the middle. Um, and Haaland had dragged all three of the centre-mids to the right. So, like, I think you must have seen sort of this clip going around, but, like, when all of the players are labelled, instead of sort of being labelled in a horizontal line, they're just sort of all in this, like, really vertical line on the right-hand side of the pitch. Yeah. And then all that space opens up in the middle because someone gets dragged out. And then... um, Yeah. Gundogan sneaks in. I think Fred Fred and Lindelof for that goal, like, it's just... Like I, I, I think Lindelof's a good squad player, and I, but I think Fred has limitations. But he's a nifty player when you need him. Yeah. But I just thought for two players who've been in and out of the lineup this year, it was just both, both of them were pretty woeful for it. I don't mm. like. I've spoken to you about this a few times, but I don't like centre backs that avoid contact to every every optimal like situation. Yeah. I think Ruben Diaz was the prime example of it in that game. Um, of just not avoiding contact and actually showing... He, for you me, know, true, you know what? I think defending. he's like arguably one of, if not the best at like, first of all, like pure, pure like Yeah, defending. that's what it is. He's like, he's like Vidic with ball playing ability, like but yeah. good level. Yeah, so, so yeah, yeah. He reminds me of like John Terry as well because John Terry could always play like Yeah, John Terry's across. a bit. Yeah. Um, but I will say like with Ruben Diaz, for me, one of his most impressive qualities and I think like maybe his best quality is the ability to be on a defender's back and even if uh, sorry be on an attacker's back and even if the attacker wants to like run into his own half and and try and receive the ball Diaz can follow him like 10 20 yards into the opposition half be on his back not get spawned and, and put the ball away or just sort of stop them from um doing anything important yeah. with the ball um and I think we'll speak about this as well but I think like in the Champions League if Lukaku does play for example that's like a, a a solution that we have that I think very few teams have. We've seen it against Neymar as well um, in in previous seasons. 
dropping so so deep into his own half and and Diaz being there and and sort of handling some of the best attackers in the world. Um, so I think yeah, just in general, having that sort of profile is really good. I think like in terms of the entire game, that four two four you mentioned just a moment ago, I think that really is well manufactured. It was, it was good. Yeah, to yeah. stop City. I, I, I appreciate it. I think to stop City progressing it from their centre backs and their sort of wing uh, full backs into sort of the second and third uh, phase, I think it's really good for that. But once you do bypass that initial sort of like getting it from the first yeah. third to the second third, that's when you can really get at those spaces, um, sort of yeah. in the half spaces. And I think like yeah. Foden or someone like that, it, it suits that, which we saw sort of towards the end. Yeah, I think for the most part, I, I was... I was actually pretty satisfied with the way we played um, for the for the for the majority of the game. I thought there were chances what we, we could have got more out of. I thought maybe the substitutions again were a bit just patchy here and there. Um, mm. But I thought I thought Garnacho was absolutely brilliant, amazing. Uh, I yeah, was, amazing. I thought he was our most lively player. Maybe and, you know. I think if he started, um, I, I would have been a lot more worried if he started the entire game. Yeah, the way he I think played. The, the, it's so hard to 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 like talk about because obviously I think Pep Guardiola said in the post-match interview um, something along the lines of we didn't expect Manchester United to play so narrow in that in that shape um, yeah. but this this narrow this narrow defensive shape um, Eric Ten Hag has used quite a few times this season against it's very similar um, to the the he, one against Brighton yeah, that's that's what I was going to say because I think that shape worked really well against Brighton, and it stopped Brighton from getting massive chances. They still did create chances, but it also mm. stopped Manchester City from creating massive chances. Yeah, um, and we didn't, we, we haven't really had that kind of defensive solidity for a while at Manchester United, even when we was under the best defensive coach, um, practically maybe ever. Um, he he still couldn't deliver. Um, you know these sort of defensive masterclasses where we just completely sh- like shone out any uh, attacking outfit, but it felt like even though we conceded two goals, we didn't give away any chances really. That that Harland header I think was probably the maybe the first, maybe the best chance of the actual yeah. game. Um, but then other than that, I thought I thought we we did well. I thought the penalty I, I don't really necessarily agree with it, but it is what it is. Yeah. Um, and then I thought we towards the end of the game I thought Garnacho when he when he cut in and he bloody oh yeah yeah lifted yeah. past the net I I genuinely thought it was in Spooky like I was up yeah and then if if Scott McTominay has a good touch and when it bounces in the box um quite mm. awkwardly behind yeah that sort uh, of like scramble head, then it yeah then it then it creates something else so for the most part I didn't I didn't really have much to much to complain about I I thought just usual suspects were pretty garbage again. But I, yeah, I think for I mean we can mention we can mention one one by I think we should discuss we should discuss um De Gea. I yeah. think we should discuss De Gea. Well, you know what? I got messages from people saying like why are you beefing H? Delete your tweet. I was like, what the hell? Oh, That's no. my boy. <laughs> can't differ you can't differ opinions on football yeah. And even if yeah. like nah. I, I'm not gonna lie, one of my replies was like it read so petty, but like so apologies for that. But like the things at the end of the day it's just a difference of opinion and then we'll just talk about like the actual difference and also I think like the actual truth is in between both of our opinions because shout out you know podcast favourite John Harrison you know what I mean John Harrison yeah yeah yeah, he did say that it wasn't absolutely he said it wasn't an absolute howler but 4 out of 5 or something 81% yeah which his thread was right in the middle of what we both said 
Yeah, because I think in fairness, it's probably right because David De Gea is definitely bottom nineteen percent of keepers in the world yeah. at the moment. Like, the thing is, I think that's. I think it was fair for me. Yeah, for, so so for people who are not familiar with what we're talking about, that we're obviously speaking about the second goal um, that United concede, where De Bruyne, I think he just straight crosses it from a corner first time to yeah, it was just not to on Gundogan, yeah, and Gundogan shoots off his left, uh, and it kind of like he kind of shanks at it basically and it bounces two or three times uh, and it like goes, I don't know if the gets a touch, but it either goes over his yeah, arm or he just... it into his side netting. Yeah, so yeah. he just sort of like gets a hand on it and it goes in. Um, mm. And like sort of consensus opinion was every goalkeeper saves that, awful keeping, how's he let that in? And me in my, I feel like I want to say my contrarian nature, but like I'm not trying to be contrarian. I just genuinely like in that moment I thought like it's harsh to blame him for that. And then I had all these reasons. People like, yo, relax. It bounced like three times. It's a miss hit, miss hit shot. Uh, it's a bad save. And then John Harrison, our goalkeeping expert, he said four out of five keepers save that based on the model. But also, it went yeah. through loads of bodies. It's hard to see, uh, and it was mishit, so it's hard to read. So it's not a howler because one out of five times it goes in. Um, yeah. But also, like four out of five times you're expected to save it. And as a goalkeeper for Manchester United in the final, you'd want your keeper to save yeah. it, which I think is I think very this fair. Is, the problem, the problem that I have with, well, I have many problems with Daya, but the the main problem I have is that <clears throat> he's supposed to be good at maybe the one sixth of goalkeeping. And if you look at it, like in a massive, um, imagine like FIFA stats, yeah, like he's yeah, supposed yeah. to be good at saving um, and or shot stopping. And I just don't, he's not good at that anymore to the point where he saves us a goal a game. It yeah, where it's worth anymore. like it's, compensating for his weaknesses. Yeah, compensate. Yeah. Like last season, last season I was under the impression that, um, that he was he was like a top top shot stopper. He was he was saving us in the worst moments. But then mm. I knew as soon as we we employed Ericsson Hag, I was like, he's gonna have a downward spiral now. He's not gonna be a good shot stopper because he's gonna face less. He's gonna be asked to do more, which is more expansive in his game, and he's not comfortable with doing it. Yeah. And now it's got to the point where he's not a good shot stopper anymore. I've I've seen this opinion like brewing on Twitter for ages. Like people say that he's only good at one sixth of goalkeeping, so therefore, like he's not good enough. No, he's not good at that one sixth anymore. He's not good at any of it. Like, I think not... uh, I've seen a clip where I don't know if you know, but like on STS Abs, um, Abs Busquets, he literally there's this hilarious clip where he goes, he basically says what you're saying, and he's like, he's not even good at that anymore. Like, there's nothing, there's no he's, redeeming. He's actually quality. not. He's actually um, not. The, the funniest part of that game was. It was in the first half. Someone crossed the ball across his six-yard box, and there was a late. Bo- there was a late post runner, and he doesn't. He actually moves his feet backwards, and it's in his six-yard box. It's flying across his six-yard box. <laughs> someone clears it off. Someone clears it off of his on the on the goal mouth. Yeah, and then he then then the play just carries on, and then we get we just they sustain pressure for like two, three, four minutes, and then we're just under the cosh, and then it leads to like one of the biggest chances in the game. And I was just sat there and I was thinking, people are, are seriously watching this and not seeing how certain goalkeepers bail us out of certain situations. Yeah. And yeah. at the point at this point it's just got it's just got now where it's like in a way I'm absolutely heartbroken that we lost a final, obviously. But there's not a final that illustrates the problems with this football team more than that one does. 
Yeah. It you, was, know, I, you know, it was a matter of... I think, like, I... So, obviously, for the for the second goal that went in, my justification for it was De Gea, he sort of, like, hops a little bit right before the shot happens. Because yeah. I think I think <clears> he's <throat> I think he's blindsided by all the people in his way. So, I think he's doing that little hop just so he gets a better look. Um, or he's doing that hop because... And he hops to his left because um, he's expecting either the left foot shot gets hit cleanly and it goes to the right hand side or it gets hit with the right foot of Gundogan. Either way, I think yeah. him hopping to the left is relatively justified in that split second. But because he does that, he's off balance. He's too far to the left. And then when it bounces a few times, it's hard to read. It goes over. He doesn't save it. I think even all of that aside, which is, like, I would say dreadful. it's a mistake. I, I think he was still yeah. really poor. And I think like... Yeah, that's the that's the problem. Oh, man, it's depressing because... I mean, it's not depressing for me. Uh, we won a trophy, but like... <laughs> <laughs> it's depressing in general. Just depressing seeing, for me. Yeah, I mean, it's depressing for you. Uh, by virtue of that, like it's this much depressing for me because you're my boy. But like, I will say De Gea, in, in the game, there was sort of every kick I remember sort of just went straight to us. We restarted the play, yeah. dominate the ball. It's the whole point. <clears throat> um... Yeah, yeah, and, just, and this is I, this is the main was, thing. It's like, yeah. it's like, so we've got a goalkeeper now. That if so, right? It's, let's say I'll give it. I'll give it you right. He's a he's a good shot stopper, right? I, I, mm. Like if if someone were to argue it to me, I'd say right. I'll give you it, right? Yeah. So if he I, if he if he conceded both of them goals, and you could argue that a top a top fifty percent goalkeeper saves at least one of them goals. Yeah, if you argue yeah. that David de Gea didn't offer anything else throughout the entire game, other than that, like even if he would have saved that, so I would rather have a goalkeeper who makes up for the distribution, the cross claiming, the sweeping, everything like that. If he lets them goals yeah. in, yeah, because yeah. I would expect yeah. him to not be as good of a shot stopper as David de Gea, but David de Gea is still letting in them quality of shots whilst also offering absolutely nothing in any other part of goalkeeping. And that's do you the think, bit that proper irks me. Do you think he should get sold or or do you think he should get a contract and be second choice and like sort of 50-50 it with the new keeper? Uh I I think um for him for, for me to justify him staying as a number two, because I do think I do think he has all them things that like it's boring, but like yeah, I know. I, you just know he's a good character in the dressing room. He's probably yeah, sort of the best in train every day. Yeah, you can, you can get behind so that. Long. Yeah, but I think for him to warrant staying as a second keeper, he would have to be on a second keeper's wage. And I just know Impossible. there's absolutely no chance. He's, there's no chance he's doing it. So in my in my personal opinion, I'd rather see him sold because mm. if we're going to make a jump, if we're going to make a jump in terms of the place that we want to we want to move to. I would rather give a keeper who's going to make a few blunders there, a few blunders there, but he offers us the other spectrum of goalkeeping, which is the more positive aspect. Like yeah. Melier yeah. is probably one of the worst shot stoppers in the Premier League. So is Gavin Bazunu, according to uh, PSXG. Mm. Um, so them two goalkeepers would drop blunders for Manchester United in net when it comes to saving shots. But what it would do is it would open Manchester United pl- um, players and the fans and the manager's eyes up to like, this brand new idea of goalkeeping where it's more about what they can do on the ball or what they can do for the team when they've got possession rather than being a constant security blanket and offering nothing else and knowing that if you can't back yourself up in 
a worldy save and you've yeah. got nothing. Whereas you could just be a half decent footballer and offer us more throughout the larger periods and games. The thing is with keepers, I think you can get the biggest gain in terms of your net performance for the cheapest price, as in like per million. That's yeah, that's what keepers, I was trying to Yeah, keepers are not like yeah. massively expensive. Well, for example, let's say Allison, who like even then the amount he's bringing to Liverpool per million that you've spent on him is like better than most footballers anyway, like expensive footballers anyway. Um, but yeah. Ramsdale, for example, elevated Arsenal, came from a relegated side. Um, Ortega that we picked up for five million. <laughs> Let me check. Like, yeah, very small. I'm going to Google it just to be sure. Um, but like, yeah. he's been playing. He played in the final and he was impressive. He made a lot of good saves he as was, well. But like, yeah, on the ball, keeper. really stood out. Sort of that pass, that that very um, you know vertical pass through the lines into the eights or into Haaland directly. Like, really impressive. And we signed him for how much did we sign him for on a free? Yeah, yeah. is that free? Yeah, yeah. I think it. I think it was because I think I remember when it happened. I was like, "Why have City got a free run at this keeper?" Because he was actually really good the season before. Um, yeah, but Bundesliga yeah, yeah. is getting like that. Bundesliga is getting like that, man. They've got so many good keepers over there because of the style of the, of the football that is being played over there. It's heavy metal transitional football. You have, you have to, to be a good sweeper, you have at to. least. Yeah, yeah. You ha- it's it's the fundamentals over there of goalkeeping. Where, also, like, I think like many... watching um, watching Neuer, like all of them grew up oh, on Neuer, yeah. as all, the especially all the especially all the German keepers. Yeah. They, they will look up to him because I feel like in in the Bundesliga, if you actually just go on like a keeper's stat board at the end of games, that keeper will have like four high claims, four super yeah. clearances. That's more that's more than most keepers make when it comes to actual saving shots. Mm. So their shot prevention in the Bundesliga, especially, <laughs> is well more favourable than an actual shot stopper in that. Yeah, because yeah. they obviously face more transitional efforts than yeah. set block. They break you down. They pass through the lines. That kind of stuff. So that's a good point. Yeah, yeah it's get it's getting to that point. I think I think as well. Like I, I, I don't want to blame the entire final on David Deja, but in my head, I really can't think of someone. <laughs> yeah, you really do want to that do it. bad. <laughs> yeah, it's it, like in my head, I was like, I actually, I was so close to tweeting. Like, I, I didn't want to tweet it because I thought Rashford and I thought Rashford had a had a pretty poor game. And Sancho as well. I think it was quiet. Really Rashford was more tweet. quiet than poor. But yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah, quiet, quiet, poor. I really wanted to tweet, like, well done to the 10 outfielders for giving their all today. Because <laughs> that's how clo- that's how close I was. But then I had, like, Sancho... Sancho and then you realised you got a good PR a and, and, and branding. Yeah, to, to I, had to, I had to save it, man. I was on... Do you see... Um, uh, Ebby on Twitter who tweeted, yeah, like... Yeah. I put good riddance and he put <laughs> yeah. he put no he was like I can't remember what he quotes he, 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 like, he, he says I can't yeah but it was to the effect of basically too too like nice yeah like this is you and your professional PR bike like like that's not yeah. that's like if you take your true and feelings it, and put it through this machine that makes yeah. everything nice and clear yeah. and like makes you, you appeal to, to you have to spit yeah. out something that's like really really like <laughs> diluted down like yeah, yeah, I just uh, and it it made it even worse because all the post match analysis because Peter Schmeichel was there was on David de Gea as well, yeah. and Roy Keane was there who notoriously hates him too. So I was just sat there and I was like, oh, yeah, my just, blood was boiling. So I was like, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. can't not tweet about it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the thing is, I feel like oh, we should well. speak about something else just to like 
take the conversation away from De Gea, but I don't know what else we can speak about with regards the, to the final game. didn't really in the, the final didn't really entail that much. I thought John John yeah, Stones very, again. Like we, oh we've, yeah, we should talk about we spoke. Yeah, did you see what I quote tweeted that video of him doing the half turn on the edge of the box? I didn't see. No, I was like, I was like, that's the midfielder that I want. Like, that's that's that action. Legitimately, I was like, yeah. That's what I want, and I was like, he's not even a conventional conventional midfield player doing it. And I was like, that turn, there's three players closing him down, yeah. and he already knows where the space is, and he just turns into it straight away. And I just, I, I just embedded the video, and I put like, when people ask me what type of midfield profile I want, yeah, it's you want Manchester City? It it's like, it's like Kai, it's like Kai Sado ish kind of turning. Yeah, yeah. It's like that turning is so good, and he's just so composed. You know what? Like, what's really impressive about that, like whole move. Um, and I didn't see a lot of people mention it, but like when that build-up's happening, Rodri, who's the natural six, he moves all the way to the right and he brings, I can't remember who, it might be Ericsson, he brings Ericsson or someone else with him. Obviously, as the six, he moves here, has to be marked. Otherwise, he's a free passing option. He gets marked and then Stones goes into that space. Um, that's been vacated by, by Rodri and he knows that there's just a massive gap between him everyone behind him and then like Rodri's movement there that opens up the space for him as well so they work really nice in tandem I think like John Stones for me I I, th- I think John just... Stones I think John Stones is the best Premier League centre-back I've seen and people just, are going to say I don't really know blah, I don't really blah, blah. know what he can't do he can do it all I think there's people who are better at certain things I think like as a pure mm. pure defender Ruben Diaz is probably better but I think John Stones has very minimal flaws as a pure defender. You defend high line, box, uh, slide tackles, closing down. What else can he do? He can do everything. I think there's not a real weakness to his game at all. Uh, head, heading yeah. in both boxes, composure, maybe lacks a bit a bit of leadership, but it's not a weakness. It's just sort of like... He's still he's, young he's, as well. Was he 25? Yeah. No, no, no. Stones is getting on there now. No? No, no. <laughs> What? Stones, Stones has been at City for about eight years. I think he's 28, 29? 29, yeah. 29? Yeah. But you know what? I've said this. Oh I've said my this a, God. I said this in an article I wrote last year because he was really getting into form last year. I think he's been at this level for, not this level because he's added midfield play. So now he's sort of in this completely different bracket. But I think he's been at like best centre-back in the world shouts for like since 2020, 21, that season. Yeah. But like I wrote an article last year talking about how Stones is this best in the world type centre back, and he was twenty eight last year. But then I looked at someone like Thiago Silva. How was Thiago Silva? Thirty six, thirty seven, thirty eight, thirty six. Yeah. John Stones as this midfielder, as this centre back, he's still got four, five, six seasons in him. And he doesn't he, he, play it. He doesn't play at a pace that like. He's not going to deteriorate as he gets older because he plays the game pretty much at his pacing anyway, and that's like yeah, one thing he's not sort of hitting into players like, or yeah. And I think with City as well, like what what really benefits our players is this rotation that we have, and obviously we play four we play four competitions most of the season, but like with that rotation, you can basically get players to like extend their careers by a lot. Like Gundogan was terribly injury prone before he joined, great medical team. Yeah good rotation and now he's dropping season on season where he's showing up at that important moments of the season so yeah Stones has got what's John Stones in inj- injury record like is it any good the thing is he he's 
he he feels injury prone. He feels injury yeah. prone because he always sort of misses like fifteen-ish games a season. But I think like when people look at the raw stats, sometimes he's missing a lot of Premier League games, but he's playing in the Champions League as well. Or I'm actually so happy he's 29. I was shitting myself thinking he's going to be around for like a decade. What well, if Stones yet. and Diaz were like both? Tw- I think but Diaz I just, is 26. Yeah, Diaz is 26. So I was thinking in my head. Now nah, I don't know because Diaz was signed like a couple of years ago and he was like 22 then, and I was thinking, yeah, my yeah. God, they're gonna spend that much. But and, uh, I don't know actually. He's got. I don't, a know, I don't know why I thought he was Good that Tom. young. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, must, it must be because he looks young. Yeah, the thing is though, like, the, yeah, they they work so well together. Like, it, if we had those two for like ten years straight, on on doubt, undoubtedly, yeah. just just perfect animal pairing. But I still think we can push that yeah. that because DS is going to be here. Stones doesn't want to leave. I think if Stones can give us three, four more seasons at this level, thirty three, thirty four, I don't see why why he's, yeah. he can't dominate. He could he could definitely do thirty three, thirty four. I think. They're going to integrate new players. They're going to integrate young yeah, players. Yeah, so you always want to like sort of be that push. guy who's always yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, He's just uh, like I don't, I don't know. There was just something about him, man. Like in that game, there wasn't many players who were like really like stand out good. Uh, but I just thought, I just thought John Stones and Ruben Diaz were just like a cup yeah. above the rest. I thought they they come they come to win the final and. When it got yeah, yeah. when it got a bit when it got a bit scrappy in the, like the last 10, 15 minutes, you know, like the the general like football fan consensus is that oh, just get out of City, you know, they'll crumble. They're all too <laughs> they're too pretty with the football. Just get yeah. out of them a bit, and it's like Me. no, because Ruben Diaz and John Stones are ridiculously good at getting yeah. at people. Yeah. Like yeah. it's what it's they Rodri's second half. Like Rodri looked really tired. Yeah, Rodri second half yeah. battling Ortega, great saves, mm. Gundogan, genius. They, like think think City have got a lot of like uh, it come it come apparent after that clip of Rashford went round ducking out of a ducking out of a header which he's literally just waiting for the ball to drop behind someone's head. <laughs> yeah, don't know yeah. why everyone went. Don't know why everyone went and ran with that. But WWE like, all the quote tweets from that was yeah. I was just like all the quote tweets were just like City's players just want it more, and I'm like yeah, of course they want it more. That's why they've won like four leagues and like five yeah, leagues in the past yeah. six years. It's like come on. You know, when we were going through our bad run, when we were going through our bad run, we were, like Pep was just playing guys on the basis of they were smiling and trying hard because he said, I think after, so we beat Spurs. I think we beat Spurs. And then after that game, he said like, he was fuming. He said, I don't recognize my team at all. We don't try hard. We don't want it enough. And then after that, we went on that winning run. Um, Like with with all of of the the charge allegations and like the Premier League are against us and everything like using that as well as motivation but then when the motivation did come in and when that drive did come in I, I think we've lost one game since and that was Brentford uh, which where we played like our rested yeah. team anyway so I think matters. one of the things that like <laughs> it's, fun, it's funny I'm going to link it back but like I was watching Ted Lasso the other day I've just finished it hmm. um, and he Pep has a scene in a scene in Ted Lasso oh, yeah, I did see that. Now, yeah, but, yeah 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 and he just, and in the in the thing when he comes out he says like don't worry about wins or losses like just as long as you as long as you're making them better people on and off the pitch yeah. and I was like that is what Pep does but he's also completely obsessed with winning yeah, I feel like yeah, he yeah. I feel like in his head he he's winning trophies just so other people can't win like of course he wants to win them but he's like I'm not having that club over there building momentum when we can just win the trophy instead it's like I'd rather that I'd rather that club just not win the trophy and us get all the applaudits and just stay on cloud nine and then just keep 
pushing the boundaries and gaining momentum. Obviously, we've spoken about Man City's winning run. There's one last game that Manchester City need to win to go into the history books well and truly. Um, and it's the trophy that's eluded them under Guardiola so far. And that obviously is the Champions League final against Inter Milan. I mean, you know, on paper, I think people are doing Milan, uh, Inter Milan a disservice because I've I've gone back and I've watched some of their games and I think there's a loads of questions where perhaps we need or, or we'd be better off with like an uh, Inter Milan fan here. But I have been watching a lot of their games. The first question I had was um, who starts, Jack or Lukaku? And I think like Lukaku now is in terrifying form uh, alongside Lautaro. Yeah. Um, and 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 that partnership genuinely scares me. Uh, I, I I don't know if you saw, but I tweeted very uh, recently that Ruben Diaz for me is the most important player on the pitch in that final. Yeah, I've seen that. And and for me, that's because of what we mentioned earlier: his ability to defend on the back of um, attackers dropping deep. Lukaku's biggest strength, uh, especially the way that he ho- sort of holds off defenders, turns, spins, runs. He can obviously play the layoff, um, and in that way. Rodri needs to be on his game. Bernardo, for me, I think in those areas is really important, but I don't think he'll play there. I think he'll play on the wing. Um, so then with Rodri moving laterally um, and, and trying to cover as the defensive midfielder does, Gundogan again becomes important. And and this is where, like for me, Gundogan's a genius because he has to do that, like filling in that defensive midfield role, but he also has to be the one who's going to sort of make those runs and score as well. And then he does all the build-up, like sort of, creative stuff as well so I think I've been watching um, I've been watching some Inter Milan games just I, I, I would say to ease my nerves hasn't helped it's done the opposite but I think there's a few things that um, that I don't know we can look at and, and and we can like look to for Man City to try and get an advantage and if they do we clip these and if, if they don't we ignore that this ever happened but I'll give you. I'll give you a few. I want to write something about it. But I'll give you a few. I've, I think... a, I've actually got one for Inter. Go on, go on. So, give us one for Inter first. Um, so Inter Milan are very, um, very good offset pieces. They have some of like the bed, the best dead ball specialists, like probably in Europe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oglu and uh, Demarco are incredible free kicking corner takers. Um, and I feel like if they were to play a system where they they can get like Lukaku in, maybe maybe Jacko and Lukaku end up on the pitch at the same time. Yeah. Um, obviously, the, the centre halves are big. They've got quite a lot of height over City, and it's obviously it's a question that has always been nipped in the bud quite early on because I actually said quite a few years ago I was like set pieces City have got to be a a bit weaker. You know, they're about five foot eight on average, and it was like, but they always find a way around it. <laughs> Yeah, well, I feel yeah. like if Inter Milan were to were to get like a setup where it was um, favourable in their situation, maybe like a free kick that was in the final third, but almost from like the corner of the box. I feel like them sort yeah, of positions yeah. um, are like very, very uh, big moments for Inter. I mean, in yeah, that game. That, that's knockout football bread and butter in it. Like the, the individual moments, yeah, one hundred percent, where you can get something. I think I'll agree with you. Um, and that's one of the things I was looking at like when I was doing my research. Um, sort of not really counterpoints, but sort of points to add on to that. City are like really impressive in terms of our set piece threat now over the last couple of years. I think we've conceded like I think we've conceded like 
the fifth least within the Premier League of um, of set pieces, or maybe maybe even sort of better achieved than that. And we've scored the second most. I think the top three are Liverpool, City, and Brentford, but I'll have to double check. Um, but we're like really impressive, and I think Pep's gone towards this pragmatic like sort of style and system where the general like the general profiles of our players are sort of more physical, more strong, sort of athletic players. Um, and I don't know if that's just happened by a chance and perhaps used them appropriately or it's really deliberately been built in that way. But I think we're good. But I will echo your point in saying that like yeah. Inter Milan are really strong um, in that way. Don't think it's a coincidence that you've started playing more vertical and you've started to integrate more, you know, physical players, Ake, Akanji, um, even yeah. Rodri's bulked up more. Yeah. Um, Bernardo Silva on the eye might not seem like a very physical player, but he, he goes well. Yeah, he does well shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. Um, Grealish, very powerful runner. Um, yeah, there's, yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of powerful players in that team. Obviously, the two centre halves as well, and both keepers are very good at commanding their area. So, yeah, uh, I don't think yeah. there's any real player who's sort of weak. I think maybe Mares is a bit skinny, but he knows how to use his body well. Um, yeah. Howland as well, probably the most physical oh, player in the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Forgot um, he exists. Yeah, literally a giant. Um, but but on on Inter, uh, you mentioned uh, Ch- Chananoglu, and I think what really stood out to me against um, against <clears throat> Inter as well. Let me get. I've kept some of my notes up actually, but like they um, they're they're really good at ball striking. They have a lot of good ball strikers, and I think like they're willing to shoot readily from the edge of the box, the edge of the outside of the box and, and play on these rebounds. Um, for me, that's a bit scary. So yeah, I've, I've pulled up my notes. So we'll go through some of the things. This is like a little preview into the piece if it ever does come out. Uh, but I have nothing on, so I, I shouldn't be lazy and I should finish it. But I think, obviously you mentioned Channel Loglu. Um, I wanted to bring up the point of Inter being really good ball strikers. And I think like, um, obviously Barella who Brozovic as well he's he either scored or, or he took uh, a really I think I'm pretty sure he scored a, a really nice long shot against Torino as well and when you have all these Jekyll as well is really good from distance Lukaku yeah. Lukaku is an underrated ball striker very yeah, underrated ball very striker. recently he sort of had the ball turn and he just hit it into the top corner I thought that is a frightening um, frightening goal but with so many good ball strikers and and into having a tendency and a willingness to shoot from distance. I think that that worries me a little bit, especially in a final, because against counter-attacking teams as well, I think in a final, defenders don't want to commit too much and, and they might be sort of half engaged and sort of like waiting to sort of get on the edge of the box or in their box before they do make that challenge. Um, yeah. So it opens up into Milan to have those shots and, and possibly... Um, sort of play on the rebounds in, in in that way. And I think it's important for City to close down those long shot threats early. Um, kind of yeah. links into the free kick and the set piece element of it as well. Because you see a lot of yeah. a lot of the long shots and um, more harder hit strikes, I guess you could say, kind of being yeah. like loose balls that are bouncing and spinning nicely. And I think if even if the City do defend the box quite well, I'm not sure who they leave on the edge of the box. I'm not quite familiar, but I'm sure they'll leave probably Barella. He's not mm. really an aerial threat. So I think that's, it's just a very, they're a very dangerous team and I, I don't think they should be under underestimated. No, and I agree. I they've agree. obviously got, they've obviously got here for a reason. And yeah. Simone Inzaghi is one of the, 
one of the cup competition demons uh, yeah. in recent yeah. Italian football. So I, I don't think for, for one second Inter should get looked past. And no. shout out to your expert because he actually said they'd go far way before they even finished the group stages. I think it was actually a pre-season prediction. So um, yeah. they clearly have something for uh, knockout tournaments and for them to win mm. it, it wouldn't really be... It would be a surprise, don't get me wrong, but it shouldn't be one of them things that's like, they have no right to win this. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like, do you know what I mean? So I think, um, for the most part, I think it could be one of them games that's won, do you know, this Chelsea game was won by that Havertz goal. Yeah, I feel like yeah. it could be an inter game that if they do win it, it's going to be an absolute rocket, like you say, from, you yeah. know, one of, one of the mainstays. And I think it, it kind of just serves... Uh, it serves the Champions League right, but then again, I think City are the two um, the two accustomed to cup competitions now. The way they've adapted this year, yeah, I, I think, th- I think, yeah, I think they give, just have that edge. Uh, yeah, I think we should give Man City uh, like sort of their roses. I think with Diaz, I think you probably have the player sort of best suited to try and deal with uh, inform Lukaku. Yeah, if he does play, for sure. Um, and like I. Like there's going to be no way that Pep doesn't accommodate for or have his eye on stopping that pass into um, someone like Lautaro, whether that be from Lukaku by having sort of three in that central area for City with Rodri um, or stopping that pass into Lukaku and Lautaro by stopping um, the pass from the centre-backs and and keeping it compact in the middle there. and I think City obviously have loads of their own threat. We've spoken about Inter having like moments that they can produce, but I think Inter are City are now a moments team. Yeah, we've been. Well, they're, they're obviously good over moments. Yeah, they're they're also good over large periods in games. But now you see a City team that can produce nothing, uh, can produce something out of nothing. I think if I think really we saw inter- it last season as well. Yeah, I think Rodgers it's going to be really lot. interesting to see like how City defend against a natural front two. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah, where they have yeah. an actual main two strikers because I feel like now I can't think of a team who plays that um, yeah, yeah. properly, like a proper front two where they both bounce off each other, they're in tandem. And I think like you say, Rodri is going to be just as, well, not just as important as a centre-half when it comes to that job, but he's going to have a massive say of constantly checking his shoulder because mm. uh, they're both, the obviously, I, I do think it'll be like Haku Martinez, it might not be, but they are very much tandem players. They're very much familiar yeah. with each other's movement. They have been for years now. I think so. even Jekyll and Luca, uh, Je- Jekyll and Lataro as well have have good chemistry oh, yeah. in the way as well. Yeah, um, for sure. And I think as a part as Rodri will be, I think Gundwan filling in is going to be paramount because Rodri tends to sort of move left and right and and fill in where the ball goes and and he wins these challenges. But Rodri, I mean Gundwan is so impressive because obviously he can score, he can sort of control the game but he also plays and, and is accomplished as this defensive midfielder so if Rodri does move out of the way he can slot into those central areas and that's where sort of the lateral's exist um, mm. but yeah I think I think mentioning City a little bit they're capable of their moments we saw Rodri last season so many times De Bruyne always uh, Haaland now as well as the transitional threat on our side I think one thing that I know is for Inter Milan um, or against Inter Milan sorry is that you can pick up spaces sort of in the half spaces, especially with their five at the back. Their five is really narrow. Um, yep. And midfielders aren't really accustomed to holding yeah. them zones either. Yeah. So you can sort of find space between that th- those three central midfielders 
And if someone does come out, it's usually the wing back who's playing basically like a fifth centre back more than anything else. Yeah. Um, so sort of in in the spaces between the lines, you can either take your own long shot. Um, and I always think like Foden would thrive so much in that area. I don't think he plays because obviously De Bruyne's undroppable. But sort of in that space, um, sort of that right half space, receiving it, turning it in the shooting, um, very viable. Um, and I think there's another um, sort of. Well, Matteo Damian's one of them. One of them players who play on that wide centre half. And Bastoni, the guy on the left side, is is a brilliant, brilliant defender. I've been waiting him to move to the Premier League for ages yeah. now. He's such a Man uh, City kind of player. As well. Yeah, he's yeah. he's so good. He's like he, he's been one of them who's been in been at been in the into Milan now for like two three years and every time I watch him he's just like wow just left footed back free perfect yeah uh, but then on the, the right side it's like you've got Matteo Damian who's mm. a makeshift right centre half and he might he might not play there but I think he's like a mainstay at the moment um yeah in that in that space but I think the the is gonna be really interesting the central centre back I was just looking then to see um, what his aerials one was because I I don't know why but I proper associate him with like dagger headers like I yeah, don't know yeah. why <laughs> and then I looked at it and he's got he was in the ninety fifth percentile for aerials one so like I was sort of right yeah but um, and the thing is you know what as as big and as imposing as Harland is I think his yeah. aerial ability and his hold up ability. Both have really improved this season, but I think both of those parts of his game are weaker than a lot of his other parts of the game. As yeah. bizarre as that I, is. Yeah. I, I really wish, like, I don't know what the problem, Not it's not even a problem, like, because they, they don't cross aerially that much. But it's like, I wonder what the problem or the, the weaknesses in his head and is it his leap? Is it his technique? Is it, does he not hang in the right spaces? Because I could have sworn I think when he I watched him one game, season. Yeah, this this season he has. But like, there was a tweet I remember. Didn't he record like one of the highest jumps as well? One of the highest leaps? <laughs> Probably. I mean, I swear. If you look at him, I, I swear it. Has. Do you know what I mean? Like, it just, yeah. I just wonder like how, I know you're not, not really a cross heavy team. Well, more so than others, but yeah, I just feel like, I don't know. I just feel like I should see more from him, even though he does score quite a few. I think he got a few against Forrest in there, or a couple against Forrest in the home game, but. I, I just remember, like, there's this, I think there's a quote from Ole, or there's a quote from Haaland about what Ole said, but Ole pointed out, he's like, you're terrible at headers. We've got to fix this. Um, and, and it's certainly been improved. I think just when you're comparing him to his strengths, which are, like, generational strengths, his heading yeah. is some something that's just, like, it's good, it's fine. Um, yeah. But, yeah, well... I think well, as well, he also makes the space for himself, even when he doesn't have to go up for the header. He can, he can yeah, make the yeah. ball drop to him just by holding it, so... Yeah. Or... He attracts about three defenders next to him. And with how central yeah. they do play, I would not be surprised. I think there's this movement I saw against Inter Milan, actually. So let me just get a few of my takes off, just in case any of them land. Uh, right-hand side, Bernardo Silva is this left-footed right-winger uh, moving inside and having De Bruyne make that run. We've seen it so many times. That works really well against this 5-3-2. And I think I've seen other teams play with this left foot right-winger, make that sort of in-swinging cross to the back post and then have um, sort of exploited and, and scored against Inter in that way. I would not be surprised if that happens against Inter, especially if that late runner is someone like Gundogan, because he shows up in that like second left. I don't even know how to describe it, but like imagine you have like five across the front line, the second from mm. the left. He sort of appears in there. 
um, either for a header back and then it happened again or um, a shot at goal itself. Um, and what else is that? There's another little thing that I saw. Oh, yeah. Against Napoli, um, Cavara. I think Cavara and, yeah. and Grealish, you can sort of make, compar- it's sort of obvious to make that comparison. Um, but Inter did sort of double up on him um, a couple of times. And then that pass inside to sort of like the left central midfield player, he's open. And that player can either make that cross again to the back post, take a long shot, or what um I can't oh, so what Napoli did really well was when that pass came back in, that play was free, all of the last line players made a run into the six-yard box. So Inter's back line all ran with them. And then that player, I can't remember who it was, it was the left central midfielder, plays a pass to the edge of the box. Sort of like how Arsenal have done with Odegaard. Uh, and then you're free because everyone else has been pushed back. And then uh, I think yeah. it was Anguissa, he takes this shot and it goes in uh, and they score from that. So there are little pockets of space. And I think it revolves a lot about sort of using the half space and using sort of how central um, Inter are against them. And then also taking your chances in terms of going for the more lucky moments in terms of long shots or rebounds and, and things like that. So. I still expect City to win, but I think people yeah, are I think right it, enough Inter. I think it would be an upset, obviously, if, if Inter were to win. I do think they have nice facets to the game. I, on, this season, honestly, I was like, every time I tuned in, they were losing and I didn't know what was going on. But I think yeah. through the second half of the season, I think they've done okay. No, they've, like they've, they've, they've been good in the, in the second yeah. half. Season, they've been good. Yeah, so I think they've, they've definitely picked it up now. Um Obviously, the, you're in the Champions League final, and it's is, it is one of them in it. Like you just yeah. anything does happen in Champions League finals. I, I really just I struggle to see how they win without a moment of just like yeah. proper proper fairy tale stuff. But, but I, think, I think I think a counter attack or a moment is how you win yeah. knockouts, like rather than leagues. So. Yeah, when was the last happen. time someone scored like a Champions League final goal that was like pr- it was a proper goal, like not a not a not a rocket? I mean, like a pass and play, pass and move. Every every single like past goal that I can think of is either a set piece or a transition. You know what? I I'll give credit to Real Madrid goal against Liverpool because it was from a throw in, and then they like move it to the other side. It's almost yeah. it, it feels almost transitiony. Because they like bait Liverpool in, um, but they throw it, move it to the right hand side, and then play that sort of cross, and then get that happen on the back post. But I yeah. really like that goal. I think it was well well worked, and it it wasn't really patterned or or, or choreographed. But that's never been um, the Real Madrid. Way. <laughs> a Real Madrid ever, yeah, a Real Madrid yeah, ever no. choreographed. It's sort of like Modric Lana. dancing in the midfield, and and yeah. yeah, just genius players. But no, no, it is. Um, like, like we saw Brighton against United, like we saw City against United, it's going to be like sort of a boxes, a boxes opening rounds um, yeah. b- before the game opens open. I think one thing that is working in our favour as as City is like the aura that surrounds us a little bit. Um, like even the quotes from Inter's players, they've been talking a little bit about how they're not scared of us, but Man City are the best team in the world, blah, blah, blah. Like, And I think that always does work in our favour. And at the end of the day, we just need one long shot. Give us, give us a De Bruyne long shot. Give us a Rodri long shot. No gun. That's the happen. thing. That's the thing with City now, man. Like 
they're having they're having these moments that they didn't used to take when when players didn't really usually shoot on the edge of the box when they didn't usually go a bit more direct. They're getting massive moments out of these, yeah, a bit more transitional, a bit more rigid. We're just completely like the Arsenal yeah. of like everything, like pure defenders, counter yeah. attack for ourselves, counter defense, long shots, set pieces, like yeah. slowly and surely getting a bit of everything. I think he's. I think he's almost opened his eyes to. I, I know Pep Guardiola like doesn't like transitions like at all. I think it's like they must they must see him in his nightmares or something. But I think what mm-hmm. he's done is almost like look at how effective they are. And he was like, if I'm trying to stop something that's this powerful, he was like, I've got to kind of use these to my advantage a little bit. Yeah, and, and even use if you don't these use kind them, of facets a bit. Oh, in seventeen eighteen, we were very good on on transition, and then we t- took it out of our game because we didn't have those kind of players. I think we didn't want to concede chances going the other way. But I think even with transitions, like you've mentioned, Pep's probably thinking, how can I use them? In which ways are they useful? Transitions, even if they're not just to score, they can be to get out. And when you have Grealish, who's yeah. really good in transition, but just sort of to get out and then sort of turn his back, control it, give it to Gundogan or I think Haaland. He just spent that, I think he just spent that much time trying to suppress him. And he just comes to the realization that it's absolutely impossible to suppress them, because yeah. literally all you have to do to to initiate transition is just kick the ball forward. Like yeah. it's like rug, it's like rugby, like a knock on. Like, yeah. That's actually yeah. all you yeah. have to yeah. do. Yeah. Is like, and I think he's just got to the point now where he's like, I, I can't I think, stop yeah. these anymore. You you aim to stop them, but then to stop them, you can either stop them as a collective team, or you can stop them on a one one against one basis. And I think yeah. you carry it both ways and. We've seen that now. Keeper sweeping, pure defenders in Walker. Dear. Yeah, it's like Stones. the best. It's like the best optimal players you could have to prevent these sorts of moments. Variance. I think, yeah, I think so, we're, yeah. We, we've got a team that stops variance, and I think it's sort of the most Guardiola team, uh, but it's also very pragmatic in that way. Um, but we'll see what happens. Um, may Allah allow Man City to complete the travel. I mean. Um, I'm sure we'll discuss it. Uh, if we do win, there's going to be Man City guests on the podcast, brother. I hope you know that. We're going to be celebrating. I will be, be on holiday that week. That week, we'll get. I'm going to get Just, three Man City guests while you relax yeah. and enjoy your trip. Brother. Nah, I'm um, joking. Uh, um, gee, man. But yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> I don't want City to win the show. My livelihood, so like all, all of my friend, all my friends are blues. Like literally, all of my friends. It's just it's so annoying, man. It's I got text like after most of my friends are at Wembley, and I got text after like the the fans. Like, oh, everyone going out then? No, <laughs> oh, I don't want to go out, man. I just watched. You're staying in the Just heartbreak. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm falling asleep on the sofa. I'm on them ones. Fair enough. Man. Anyway, well, uh, we appreciate everyone listening. And we're back again. I, I feel like we have bursts, but we're gonna be consistent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we appreciate you listening in. Uh, again, any suggestions, topics, guests, let us know. Um, and yeah, follow us on whatever platform you're listening or watching this on. We're on YouTube, Apple Podcast, Spotify, all of those platforms. Um, and yeah, give us a rating, give us a like, and we'll catch you again next week.